As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Ruck, Sunday Times and Times weekly podcast. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening to us. Sometimes, or every now and again, we have a special. Today, it's a special special. I'm here at Cardiff Blues Rugby Club in one of the corporate boxes, the first time I've ever been allowed in, with Sam Warburton. Sam will be horrified if I describe him as the great Sam Warburton, but it's too late, Sam, I've already said it. (laughs) Not only the subject of podcasts today and the second part of it on Thursday which we've been really looking forward to, but also Sam joins the Times and the Sunday Times as a columnist on the weekend, and his first columns will appear. We're absolutely thrilled about that. And Sam, that makes the Sunday Times on one signing, which is one more than Spurs this year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, as a Spurs fan, that hurts. (laughs) I know. Well, we won't know how Spurs and Manchester City got on because we are taping this on a Monday, but you still follow the boys. And have we gone wrong by not buying anyone this year? It's difficult because I think they were probably looking at it like Toby Alderweireld didn't play much last year, did he? So him coming back almost feels like a signing in itself. And yeah, I think every team gets better every year. Yeah. So Tottenham may feel they're getting better, but maybe not at the same rate as the other sides. But then it was their best Premiership start, wasn't it? Statistically, I heard the first couple of months it was their first. It was the best Premiership start statistically they've ever had, but they're still not sitting exactly where they want Something's to be. Something's not right. But, uh, yeah, it's not quite the same, is it? But, no, it's uh, not. No, um, Sam's already had an, uh, a spat with one of his new colleagues. Only the other day, Stuart Barnes wrote an article in which he said that the day of the jackal of the open side flanker is past and that they're not, not part of the modern game. Sam came back smartly to say he disagreed and he thought the, the flanker was on, and the jackal was still a major part of the game. So it's a question of whose opinion we is worth more. Either the captain of the British and Irish Lions, one of the great open side flankers of the era, or the five foot four, uh, wine ridden, shambling, grey haired barn. So that's up to the readers. But Sam, we're sitting here in Test Week, your first one since retirement, at, at, at which you actually would have been uh, had he not retired, would would have been at uh, Hensel training with the boys, and you know, as we speak, they're actually all there and they're getting through the the, the whole the whole test week. Does it feel different now? It's the first time where you've actually been out of the game. It's actually quite a timely um, question because I was just doing. I was just we were in the Arms Park now and the Cardiff Arms Park, obviously the home of the Blues. But I was just next door actually doing an afternoon with the WIU and they had an open training session with with the boys, which is Monday today, start of their test week. And so I saw a lot of the guys walking off the pitch and just you know in, in the tunnel and by the dressing room and that. And I was chatting to them and it's weird because it felt like yesterday I was doing that Monday session, which is a little bit more relaxed on a Monday and they're going back to the hotel now and in the Vale Hotel where they stay they got 
It's called the Grill, and on a Monday night, they often go in the Grill, and it's one of the best steaks I've ever had. And that's not an endorsement for the Vale. I got no ties to them whatsoever, but you always have your Monday night Grill. You have a massive feed on a Monday. You chill out with the lads in the evening and stuff, ready for Tuesday's big session. So yeah, it's weird because it brings all those memories back. But yeah, that was quite strange to see them. But obviously, this time last year, I didn't play in the Autumns last year. I didn't play in the Six Nations. But even though that was the case, I was in the mindset that I was going to be playing this year and return to play but yeah this is the first time I'm going to watch an autumn campaign and pass comments on it but knowing that it's never going to happen again you know so it was weird because I was watching the autumns last time round, but I thought oh this is going to be great being back here next year as a player but yeah I know that's over now which is quite strange so a little bit even today I was signing uh, so the boys were training and there was they had an open session there must have been well they sold 14,000 tickets whether that many people turned up I'm not sure I'd say it was 10 to be safe 10,000 people are watching so I was doing a lot of signings on the side of the pitch because the lads obviously got to rush off the f- uh, rush off the field at the end of a session and then Lee Halfpenny walked off at the end after his kicking and half a queue just left and went straight to Lee Halfpenny <laughs> I thought oh, this is the real world now <laughs> this is what I got to get used to but um, no it's good you know I, I'm really looking forward to to being involved with the times and I'll be doing a couple of columns a week now around every international campaign in, without sounding like a shameless plug, it's always been you know a paper that you know I've picked up and read. So when the opportunity came and um, the Times, you know, very privileged and they asked me if I wanted to get involved, I thought, yeah, bit their hand off, it was brilliant for me. So yeah, great, great paper to be associated with. So thanks very much. We don't mind the old shameless plug, honestly. As, <laughs> as long as you leave a little corner for myself and Banzi to have in the corner just to do a little extra few words there. Um, have you found it more difficult to come to terms with it all than you thought? Or has it got easier as the years gone by? Easier, yeah. I mean, it's a difficult one to answer without being able to explain myself, if I just give it a one-word answer. So when people, I've been asked so many times, do you miss it? And the one-word answer is no. I, I, I never want to leave it there because that makes me sound very ungrateful for what I had. The easiest the easy decision was actually deciding to retire. That was the easiest decision of the lot. The hard thing was not even come to terms with it because it's been on my mind for a while and I always knew I wasn't going to play much beyond my 30s. I, I always thought I was going to reach the World Cup. So, yeah, I was a little bit short there. But, you know, past the World Cup was always going to be a lottery. I didn't know how I was going to feel, you know, physically and, and mentally. Yeah, the easy answer was no. I don't miss it. But I, I'll always be forever grateful for what I had. But the hard thing was, you know, letting the Blues know and the WIU know, who have both supported me amaz- amazingly in my career, you know, letting those coaches down and people, you know, deep in the WIU who have, you know, contracted me for the last five years and been so flexible and helped me out so much from not just contracts, from a medical point of view, from a player welfare, everything. They've been absolutely outstanding. So letting them down was the most difficult bit and having to ring up, you know, a couple of awkward, I'd say awkward, just really tough conversations where I felt I was letting guys down. But for me, my family, my body, to finish was you know, the best decision I could have made. I'm not quite sure why you'd th- think that you'd let anyone down. I think because it, it seems premature, and I think a lot of people expected me to play for another three, four years. And you know, a little part of me thought maybe I could. And you know, I'm not going to make out. Uh, I'm really bad. I'm not great, obviously, physically. But I'm not. There's, there's guys who are playing who are in my condition who are still going on and there's guys I know who are playing now who are my age who are no better than me but they're they're carrying on but I just thought it sound like a might sound like a spoiled kid but I just thought I don't want to be I don't want to not be first choice because my body can't get me to where I am if I wasn't first choice because 
somebody comes in and they're much better than me, then yeah, you could, that's fine. But I don't want to deteriorate physically. And then the perception from the outside would be, oh, Sam's been overtaken by a youngster or whatever. He's not good enough anymore. That that would break me more if I carried on playing for that extra year, two years, got overtaken. But I know deep down, or well, my mentality would be, I've only been overtaken because I physically can't hit the heights that I want to hit. I can't get to the fitness levels. And I said before, I'm not blessed with handling skills I guess I say I'm, I'm not blessed with skill I guess like it's different I'm not blessed with handling skills I got breakdown skill I, I can't do what Martin Williams did into my mid-30s and still have lovely nice touches that you might see from Justin Tippett that's not my game you know my game is to be physically as athletic and as I guess physical as I can you know I need to be in the gym for a lot of time I need to be doing a lot of fitness work I need to be practicing all my skill at the same time and do my rugby, and I just couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't cope with the accumulation of training. But wasn't is wasn't the key thing? But you, Sam, is you always seem to know precisely where you were physically. I mean, before the Lions Test match, we couldn't quite work out what the injury that you had was, but it was clearly something which, by your standards, you didn't think you were ready. Isn't that the key to you that you always had the total awareness of where you were in terms of body and mind? Yeah, I learned the hard way with that because I remember in 2012 I was out for three months with a nerve injury in my shoulder and I was asked if I wanted to tour with Wales. I could never turn a cap down. And even in hindsight, I probably still would have made the same decision because. You know, you get offered to play for Wales. You can't not not play for Wales. It was always amazing and a massive privilege. But yeah, I got asked I wanted to go on the invite to go on the 2012 tour. And if I was perhaps some more experienced players, I might say, no, you know what? I need a full pre-season. I haven't played since, what was it, March? But I went back, I played three tests against at that time, Pocock, who was, you know, arguably the best seven in the world. And, you know, I came up short in all three tests. And I went back home and I thought I shouldn't have gone on tour. I mean, I, I can't go down and play Australia after three months out. And even when I do come back, I need about at least four games to get going. And that Lions tour was the same. I thought I felt I had probably the best, one of the best exceptions I've had in 2017. And that was sound arrogant. I was very confident I was going to go on the Lions tour. Because you have no inkling as a player. Absolutely no inkling whatsoever. But I thought, you know what, I, if I'm not going to get on this tour, I'm never going to get on another one. You know, I've played as, as well as I can, only to get injured again for two, three months for the tour, which was, it always feels like before big competitions, I get on them, I get on the Lions tours, but I'm, I always have a little bit of bad luck with a run of injuries going into it. So I knew going into the first test, I remember having a conversation with Warren and uh, I just sort of said subtly that, you know, I, I know I'm not in the same place that I was in in February and March in the, in the, in the Six Nations, but... I think one, I'm only one more game away and yeah, luckily you know, I managed to get back for second and third test and managed to have a, you don't just want to play in those games, you want to play in those games and have you know a, an influence, you know, so to be able to play and have an influence, I knew I was probably another game away by the time that first test came around, so I was just one more week and then I felt I was ready then. We will come back to the lines, just two, two things though, first of all, are you still training? Do you still train in any form? Because apparently, like Johnny Wilkerson apparently still goes out and does half-hour kicking sessions. Like that. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. I mean, because you've always been since, for me, since I was like 15, 16, since I really focused on becoming professional, you've always had that end goal and you constantly seek improvement. You can't just turn that away. And I, I remember when I first finished playing for five weeks, I went, probably even more professional you know because I because I had no one telling me what to do I was like calorie counting I was in my bag the night before the day I was going to go train I was getting up really early I bought my own heart rate monitor I was going ridiculous and I tried to lose a lot of weight because I thought you know I'm probably naturally about a stone lighter than I meant to be so for those uh, I was like 103 kilos about 16 stone five old money 
I went down to 95 kilos, which is over a stone. So I was down to about, you know, 15 and a half, 15 stones. So I lost a lot of weight straight away, but deliberate. Uh, but now I don't like it. Actually, I want to try and get back up to what I was like as a playing weight. So yeah, I went about five weeks really strict on the training. Yeah. Then I did, went I went the other, I went the complete other way then. I did about three, four weeks recently where I've, had, I've been a bit busier than normal. And I haven't trained at all, eaten absolute junk. But I always needed it for my head to actually like, it was weird. I remember going into my kitchen. I opened the door, which is where the chocolate normally is, my little one. And there was like a chocolate biscuit there. And I went to get it. And because I've been so used to doing this my whole career, I went to pick it up and I almost told myself out loud, I was like, no, like you can't have it. And then I suddenly sat back and thought, why? Like, I've got nothing, you know, I'm not having my body fat done on Monday. I'm not playing a test match on the Saturday. Like, if I want a chocolate, I can have it. And it almost took me two, three months to realise if I want a bit of chocolate, I can eat it guilt-free. Like, and I still find it, only now I'm starting to feel well, not guilty by eating something which isn't healthy. It's weird. But when you've been doing that for, for me, and I'm probably a little bit more, not professional, but a little bit more meticulous in my preparation in all the small things, perhaps, than maybe a lot of players, it's taken me now three, four months to probably ease off and actually accept that I'm not going to come back and play, you know? You did admit before we, we, we started recording that you've even had a drink. Which is because you're not only a non-drinker, you were a kind of anti-drinker yeah. when you played. But you, you, you mentioned the gin. I mean, that didn't hurt you at all. But. Yeah. I remember it was like, it made me realise actually when I finished playing. I always said when I was playing, I'm not drinking because I don't like it. I do think you not what like it was, anything? Not wine, beer? No, but I found there is drinks I do like now. So right. since I finished playing, it's almost made me realise I didn't drink at all because I felt guilty about, even if I see the thought of having a drink on a Friday after a game, Typically, we play on a Friday in our league, you know. You have, you might have Saturday, Sunday off even, which to most people, two days to recover from that, to go train on Monday is amp, you know, plenty of time. I, I couldn't do it because I was like, I, do, I need to go into Monday as fit as I possibly can to start the next week and to physically prepare. But like, since I finished, I remember, well, the announcement came out on the Wednesday and then I had a drink that night and I ended up actually realising, oh my God, I actually quite enjoy <laughs> I've missed out a lot of it. I've you know, missed out on 10 years of not not just getting hammered. I just mean just socially drinking. And that's what was nice because I remember I went out for a, a wedding and I drank three nights in a row. And somebody said, how, did it, how have you managed to drink three nights in a row? You never drink. I said, yeah, but I'm not rugby drinking. There's rugby drinking and there's drinking. I'm just casually drinking, you know, three nights in a row. You know, I can count on one hand how many drinks I have per night. But, you know, I'm not doing the, the binge stuff that, that is known in rugby when you have team socials or whatever. So I actually learned, I was like, you can actually enjoy the social side of it. So since I finished, I don't have that guilt yeah. of having to turn up on a Monday for training. I've actually learned to, yeah, I can have a couple of drinks and not feel too bad about it. We've got a huge programme of Autumn Internationals coming up just to probably tread on difficult ground. Wales, in your time, never quite cracked the Autumn Internationals. Showed a great form in Six Nations and in World Cups possibly without any luck at all, but you never really cracked the Autumn Internationals, did you? Do you any idea why that was? I'd love to give you a really insightful answer, but my honest answer is I don't really know. Because the, the preparation was the same, you know, the, the mentality and the belief going to play the teams you're going to play was the same. We had one successful Autumn where we won three out of four, and that was our best Autumn we had. Like you say, we don't normally win more than two games. Um, but even then, when we won three out of four, they were... 
you know, without I don't want to be disrespectful, but they they were ugly wins. You know, they were, we didn't play particularly well. You know, we I mean we played we beat Japan by a Sam Davis drop goal in the last minute, and they were unconvincing wins. The other two, you know, we beat a, an under strength South Africa. You know, so like on paper it looked good, but we didn't perform that well. But then Six Nations and World Cups, yeah, Wales are great, but I don't actually know. It's the hardest campaign to play in because Six Nations you'll have two weekends in a row, weekend of no rugby, then you have another game. Then you have another weekend off, then you play two weekends in a row. So over the course of seven weekends, you play five times, where the autumn you play back-to-back four weeks in a row. And now the tier two nations are not what they used to be. They're a lot more competitive and you can easily lose those games. So, you know, the spine of your team is playing, maybe apart from a couple, for four weeks in a row. And at that level, and you've just come off the back of Europe, that that's hard. But then that's the same for everyone. So I can't use that as an excuse, but... The honest answer is I'm not entirely sure. So playing at home, love playing at home, but never had a fantastic record against the Southern Hemisphere. Australia is is the worst, and they they seem to dog Wales because they're still in the you're in the same Wales are in the same pool as them in the World Cup. Do you see in the forthcoming autumn in your new role as an observer and a broadcaster, the Aussie game is the centre because Wales has got to start beating them sometime. It's the one game now I think. If I was a player, yeah, Scotland's going to be a big game and you know Tonga's going to be a big game. And all, you know, they're all going to be South Africa, they're all going to be big games, but I'd be thinking, get me out there for Australia because I've got to beat them. I just have to beat them, you know? And this is the thing, see, this is what I think with the Lions, for example. So people might quit, criticise Warren Gatland. If we're actually being, looking at it from a completely neutral perspective, when you've given Warren Gatland the opportunity to coax the Lions against Australia, he came out on top, you know, he won 2-1. And everyone knows that third test without sounding, I don't want to sound patronising, but the Lions blitzed Australia, didn't they? Absolutely blitzed them. And that was Gatlin's game plan to a T. So then, you know, you give Warren the opportunity again in 2017 against New Zealand, another side that Wales haven't beaten since, well, that was 1953 we haven't beaten them, and Australia haven't beaten them since 2008. So Warren managed to beat them with the Lions in 2013. New Zealand, Warren, well, undefeated in three tests, so we managed to get a win, a draw and a loss. But then we don't do it for Wales. So I think, you know, what does that tell you if you're like, you know, looking at from the outside? Well, maybe Wales don't quite have the resources yet to beat those teams. And I remember they did an interview once before and they asked me about the Australia thing. And yeah, we've come desperately close and we have come absolutely desperately close. 2008, we should have beaten them away on, on a summer tour. And then there was a period in 2012 and 13, I think there was like three or four games and added up, it was like a six, seven points, you know, that we'd lost by. It was like two points, one point agonising losses but then I thought at the same time you don't lose 12-13 times in a row by accident you know they're obviously just that little bit better doesn't mean we can't beat them if we're being brutally honest you know Wales obviously don't have the resource that the Lions have because when you give Warren the resources of Ireland, Scotland, England and Wales he does a job but with Wales we haven't quite got there so maybe we just quite haven't got the depth that we need to, to beat these sides. How do you see the Welsh team as it's, as it's developing? There's quite a body of opinion which thinks, Sam, there's something stirring here. It seems to me that uh, you've seen them more than I, but there, there's three or four people now chasing number seven jersey. Yeah. Jonathan Davis is back. Warren is clearly optimistic. Do, do you share that? Yeah, I do. I do. That, that's why you know I really wanted to get to that World Cup because you don't know what you could achieve in a World Cup and Wales always prepare really well for a World Cup and you know historically we've done very well under Warren Gatlin's reign in uh, 11 and 15 in those World Cups so until we see what happens because Australia Argentina where Wales toured in the summer was uh, a lot of experimentation you know because guys are arrested from Lions and stuff 
So until these autumns now, it, it, it will actually be fascinating to see if we have taken that step forward because, like I mentioned before, like everybody gets better, but it's just who gets better at a quicker rate. You know, like Wales, they'll feel they're better than last autumn, but then their opposition will be better. South Africa have got much better. You know, or Australia better, you know, and Tonga would probably feel they've got better. So everybody gets better every year and the standard goes up every single year I've played. But the standard goes across across the board, you know. So until you play these sides, you don't know. And South Africa would be a great one now because, yeah, Wales have beaten South Africa three times in a row, uh, I believe, or maybe three out of four times. We beat them in 2014 uh, and then a couple of autumns after that. One of them, people argue, was a weaker team. But I'm thinking, well, you're still playing, you know, Super 15 sides. They're still uh, players. They're all still playing Super 15 rugby. They've been exposed to Super 15 all season. You're not going to have a bad South Africa team, but Wales got not criticised for beating them, but they were expected to beat an understrength South African team. But now, after South Africa have really ramped things up, particularly with their recent win over New Zealand, if Wales can get a win over them now, that'll give them you know a lot more credibility than perhaps the win they had recently. So, yeah, no, I don't. No one actually knows, but you know Wales. If people say in you know, frustrate me the other day, I saw my Twitter feed. Someone said. Or how, you know about Warren Ball? I'm thinking if you've actually been watching Wales, they haven't played that for over two years. No, no. We, I remember we sat down. That was as a You said that, I expect. <laughs> <laughs> we sat down in 2016 and really, as a leadership group and a player group, we really reevaluated the way we wanted to play. And uh, so we got through the World Cup, you know, and then after the World Cup, we had a Six Nations. Perhaps wasn't as good as we wanted to, and then boys were suddenly, uh, you know, it was a combination of coaches and players said, you know what, we need to evolve our game plan. Which worked great in 11, 12 and 13. But yeah, I think 14 and 15 teams were catching on to it. So we did. And in 2016, we played New Zealand and we managed to put you know 20 points past New Zealand a few on a couple of occasions. And it was developing. But now we're two years down the line. It's, it's getting a lot more second nature to the lads. You can always dip back into that. I don't even like saying it. The more physical game, Warren Ball, the more physical game plan. You, it's great to have that in the armory. And then you know that'll always be there. But the game plan for Wales has evolved massively. So if you can go into an autumn campaign now and we can see Wales scoring, you know, two or three tries a game, because people might say that doesn't sound many, but in international rugby, you know, two or three tries against top opposition is, is, is quite there, hard really. going. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you always think if you can score 20 points plus, then you want to try and back your defence unless you're playing someone like Australia, New Zealand, where you think, right, you're not being defeatist, but you're like, they're going to score tries. Like You can't mm. keep New Zealand to within less than 10 points unless you're playing on a terrible pitch and terrible weather. So you have to score when you're playing the Southern Hemisphere team. So, you know, can Wales score tries against, you know, Australia and South Africa? That's going to be key. helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Couple more things about the autumn. Um, little whistle-stop visit around the countries. England are now in their their worst um, run. I think for 16 years, I think they lost six out of seven. What do you make of that, um, Sam? Eddie, Eddie Jones, when he came in, their results were excellent. Now they're really, really almost ground to a halt. But you know yourself that you play with the likes of Owen Farrell, uh, Maro Itoji, Michael Vunipola. They're, they're, they're real big international forces. Uh, what, what have you made of it? Have you been surprised by the way the results have come apart? No, and the one thing I'd say is don't panic. Um I remember Wales say the same thing. We had 2011 and 12. So 2011 went to the World Cup, came back, everybody, oh my God, Wales are brilliant, played fantastic stuff. You know, we unearthed loads of new gems. Lee Halfpenny, George North, John Davis, you know, all these guys, you know, and Dan Lydia, Toby Faratow. And then suddenly we went to Australia in 2012, lost all three games. Then we played the Auto Internationals, lost all four games, including Samoa. Went to the Six Nations, lost the first game of the Six Nations against Ireland, and we lost eight games in a row. And everyone was thinking, suddenly we were on the cusp of a golden era for Wales. Mm. Then we lost eight games in a row. But people sort of forget that because then we bounced back, won four games in a row, beat England in the last game of the Six Nations, won the Six Nations for the second year running. A lot of us went on the Lions Tour, beat Australia on the Lions Tour, and then everything was hunky-dory again. So don't get me wrong, if England persist, if they keep losing over the autumns of Six Nations, then there's a problem. These things happen, you know, in international rugby. We lost eight games in a row and managed to bounce back and have another successful 12 months after that. So the player group is the same. And the other thing I say is to an English fan who might be concerned is I wouldn't be concerned just yet. I'd let, let the autumn series unfold. Don't be wrong, if they lose all four games in the autumns, yeah, obviously something's got to change. But they could bounce back from this autumn campaign, we don't know. So I just think they need a little bit more time. I wouldn't be... Um, you know, bringing the hammer down on, on Eddie Jones just yet. I think you need to give him another campaign. You know, I wouldn't say two campaigns, another campaign, see what happens after the autumn. And what about Ireland? Because they've... Ireland have been the least successful of the four unions in hist- in history, four home unions in history. Recently, at, at provincial level and test level, they've be, really been a step ahead. They're reigning Grand Slam champions. Have they stolen a march on the rest, Sam? Ireland, in my opinion, are definitely the best non-hemisphere team at the moment. I know that might make uh, a few Welsh people uh, disappointed, but I mean, if you're just looking at the stats anyway, you know, the, only I know firsthand how hard it is to win a Six Nations now, and they've done that twice in a row. No one's won it three times in a row, and you could see them. They're going to be as we stand now. They're going to be favourites to win it next year. They went out to Australia and beat Australia two one in a series in the summer, just gone, which is such a hard thing to do. Which is why England deservedly got a lot of credit when they when they whitewashed them the year before. So they've done that. You know, Ireland for me, they are just. If anybody's seen Leinster, I know they lost to Toulouse recently, but if anybody's seen Leinster play, I mean, God, when they when they played Wasp recently, they were so impressive. And I mean, I play against these teams and don't really get. I wouldn't say in awe, but don't really. I don't get impressed when I watch teams because I think, well, I'm going to play them eventually, and I can I can beat them. Because I'm now on the other side of the fence, I can actually just watch it for what it is. I mean, they were so impressive, you know. And if I'm being perfectly honest, the most the toughest Six Nations games I've played in recently have been against Ireland. 
they're just so good and it sounds really like basic to say but it's much easier said than done they're so good at keeping the ball uh, people probably think well obviously that's the game like everybody tries to keep the ball it's a lot harder to keep the ball against an international defence you know when you're playing against international defences who have players and coaches trained to get the ball back off you that's the sole part of defence you know, defence is just to get the ball back that's what you've got to do and you've got international defences doing that and you still can't get the ball back against Ireland that's what they're so good at you know and it just squeezes teams it gets penalties and with with you know Conor Murray and Johnny Sexton, so you've got two fantastic halfbacks there, arguably the best halfback pairing in the world. It's just a recipe for success at the minute. So they they are a very well organised team and they are looking the strongest Northern Hemisphere side to, to fly that flag in the World Cup as things stand at the moment. Finally, you've spoken about New Zealand and the, the efforts you made to, 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 to beat them and sometimes you scored tries but you still couldn't quite quite hang on. A, are they still the best team that are going to be up here in the autumn? And B, if so, why did you come so close to beating them last year? New Zealand are 100% the best team in the world. This is what like frustrates me. So when Even when South Africa won, yeah, it's great for the game that they've won, and it's good, but I think it's good for the fan to see that South Africa won because they can they see it, what they perceive as a chink in the armour for New Zealand. But like every professional team, so Ireland and South Africa and Australia and Wales and England... They all think they'll beat New Zealand and can beat New Zealand. So it doesn't make a blind bit of difference to those international teams that South Africa won because they'll play New Zealand the week after whether they won or lost to South Africa and think, well, we're going to beat them. It puts a lot of confidence back into the fan who's watching the World Cup. But New Zealand have worked so hard to be the best in the world for the last, what, probably like seven years, eight years in the last two World Cups. You know, one loss doesn't suddenly take them to second in the world rankings. Same thing as one win against them doesn't make you best in the world. You know, you've got to back it up consistently. So... Yeah, they're still the best team in the world, and people might question me as a player for saying that. Even when I was playing for Wales, if someone said, oh, "Well, Wales better than New Zealand," if you're being honest, no, you're not. You know, we're not stupid here. You're not better than New Zealand. But if you said to me, "Can you beat them?" Well, of course you can. It's sport, so you accept that they're the best team in the world, but you know at the same time, but you can beat them. It doesn't mean you you can't beat them. So that's that's sport, isn't it? You know, that's why people turn up to watch games because you don't know exactly what's going to happen, but. That was the mentality I carried. You can't deny that New Zealand are better. They've won two World Cups in a row. And you know, even you look at from a New Zealand point of view, even four countries who come together couldn't go over and beat them. And they still managed to so from a New Zealand point of view, that's impressive being able to draw to the Lions, you know, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely still the best team in the world, and I'm pretty sure they'll probably come to our shores now this autumn and put in a good good show again. That's the end of part one uh, with Sam on Thursday. Hope you'll join us for part two. Sam, before we go, I just want to ask you about one game which didn't take place. The biggest games of your career which wasn't played and that is the 2011 final because I don't think, I'm not re- making any reference to the sending off or to Lee Halfpenny, etc. But that was the most vulnerable I've ever seen a New Zealand team. And they played a French team which weren't very good. And I think such was the nerves that gripped New Zealand that any decent team could have beaten them that day. It's weird. I was actually speaking to somebody the other day, a um, very wise person who said, we never look back on anything because you can't change what's in the past. And I can't. So, you know, I used to be like, oh, what if, you know, what if Adam Jones didn't go off? We remember Adam Jones was in the height of his powers then as a tight head prop, particularly against France and went off before myself. He went off injured. Then I went off and then obviously Lee Halfpenny missed a kick by inches, whatever it was. And you always think that what if, but you know what, Like we came out of that World Cup and the perception of Welsh rugby was absolutely massive. And like it is what it is, so we can never change it. And I'm not actually frustrated for what happened because that's just the way sport is. And I actually think Wales probably 
rather than get an arm, not an armchair ride, but rather than have the rub of the green all the way through, perhaps it shaped us, you know, to be able to go on and win the Grand Slam in 2012. And it shaped us to have the resilience in 2013. And I remember Sean Edwards saying something to the group of players when we were about 2015, it was. So we say we were playing England um, in that, obviously that, that group game. And, uh, I remember he said said something to us and he was just saying about how he looked at the, the playing group that we had and it was the same playing group for the last four or five years and he just said, you've all gone through absolute massive games, whether it's the World Cup semi-final, whether it's Grand Slam deciders, whether it's a Six Nations decider, whether it's a Lions Tour decider, you've gone through absolutely huge games and you've gone through the big games that they haven't gone through. So yeah, I look back on those experiences and I actually think we were probably better for them. And had we had, a, not an armchair ride, but had we had the rub of the green, got to the final, who knows, New Zealand could have blitzed us. We could have beaten New Zealand. We'd never know. But I actually think it actually helped shape that team to become the resilient team that they became over the next two years. So in a weird way, it could have worked out for the better. But don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I, I would have much rather Adam Jones stayed on the pitch and not got a red card. But um, I think a big part of the success we had the, the following years was because of the perhaps the tougher times we went through in 2011. Well said, and thanks very much for listening, for downloading us, and um, we'll be back with Sam on Thursday. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone.